Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. We're so glad to have you with us this Sunday. And a warm welcome to those who are joining us online from home as well. Um, let's take a moment to greet one another. So if you're on site, you could turn to your neighbor and just give them a wave, give them a smile. If you're at home online, you could, uh, you know, um, type into the chat, peace be with you, or good morning. And our friendly moderator will be online to respond to you as well. So as we prepare ourselves for this sacred time, please rise and join me in the call to worship. Come, walk in green pastures. We follow the shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We trust the shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We are fed by the shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We, we live, live in, in the, the shepherd's, shepherd's care. care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May, May we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Now let's continue by joining our voices and hearts together in praise and worship. Uh, for those of you on site, please do feel free to be seated. You can stand. You can close your eyes, raise your arms, um, you know, meditate on the words and let God minister to you through the music. The only thing we're not allowed to do is sing right now, unfortunately. But please do allow the music to minister to you as we turn our attention to God together.
Oh 
seated. Will you join me in a word of prayer in this Advent season, in this week, just before Christmas? God of love, in the right time, you sent Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is your greatest gift to us, a sign of your love. And in this season of Advent, the season of arrivals, waiting and preparation, help us walk in your love in deeper ways each day. Good and gracious God, you are light for our eyes. You are the air we breathe. You give us the voice to speak and a joyful song to sing. You are, O oh good and gracious God, our path to peace. Come, Jesus, our Emmanuel, come. Excite in us a hunger for peace. Peace in the world, peace in our homes, peace in ourselves. We pray especially for those among us who are anxious about their health, their loved ones, their livelihood, and the future. And we ask for your peace to still all of our hearts and to calm our souls. You say peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. So God, today we lean on you together as a community, as a people belonging to you. Fill our hearts with song and our house with joy as we journey together. As Jesus said, with you, all things are possible. So help us to trust you and to follow you as you continue to unfold your work of shalom, restoration and justice throughout our world. God of compassion and love, show us how to care for each other and for this world that you so love. Beyond all limits, difficulties or failings, give us a passion to hold all people in respect, in dignity, in love. And together, O oh God, may we create a world of freedom, of justice, and peace, as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 
Good morning, everyone. My name is Gary, and I just want to welcome you here to FCC. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we are going to be talking about this week's topic of Advent called peace. And before we go into the Word together, I'm going to use this opportunity to light the Advent candle. This is our fourth candle, and next week we're going to light the final one as we celebrate Christmas together. 
I'm really glad that you have taken time to be with us here this morning. I want to give a big shout out first to every person over the past one year. A huge gratitude to the worship team, the production teams, the welcome teams, and every person who makes this Sunday's, hybrid Sunday services possible. And also, I want to give a big shout out to you if you're joining us here for the first time in person here at One Commonwealth, or whether you're joining us here online for the first time, or watching us sometime later in the week. We're really so grateful that you have made the time to join us this morning, to join into the worship, and to gather around the ministry of the Word together. Now, if you're joining us this morning live, one big benefit is that we can collectively all come together to contribute to this sermon using menti.com. So if you have got a second device or a computer or you're on a computer, you can open up another browser window and go over to menti.com and enter today's code 20582207 and you'll be able to contribute anonymously to today's sermon. And in a time when we are all not yet be able to come back together to meet in person and to fellowship together. This has been also great because some of us are joining from all over the world. This has been, menti.com has been such an invaluable tool for us to be able to hear your voice and for us to be able to learn together as we continue our series this Advent called Let Your Life Speak. Now, as you have heard over the past few weeks, this is the time each year that we get a chance to come together and reflect what it means for us and for the world as we remember the coming of Jesus Christ into the world at Christmas. The arrival of the Christ child is supposed to be the heralding of peace. There is a popular scene at the birth of Christ when we hear the angels herald in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, and it says, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those in whom he favors. Now, this aligned with the prophecy of Jesus' birth delivered by the prophet Isaiah more than 500 years ago from that moment in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 to 7, where the prophet declared that Jesus, this person that was coming, would be the prince of peace. And there would be a promise that it would usher in an age of endless increase of peace. So I don't know whether you're able to see the slides, um, but if you cannot, I'll read for you the scripture. And it says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The fulfillment of this prophecy came to the Israelites in a very, very difficult time for them. 
It was a period of conflict in Israel. And above all of the things that they were hoping for, they were looking for peace. And they were waiting for a promised saviour from the Roman occupation that would defeat the Romans and usher in an age of increasing endless peace. Now, did Israel get what they wanted? Certainly not in the way that they understood it or they had hoped for. You see, history tells us that the Romans, in the end, destroyed one of the most sacred spaces in the siege of Jerusalem. The one thing that connected the Jewish people with one another and with God was the second temple. And that was destroyed by the Romans in AD 66. How about those who followed Jesus? They were followers of this supposed Messiah. Did they, these followers, these disciples, experience peace? No, they didn't because they were considered threats to the empire and the religious leaders of that time, and they were hunted down. In fact, the term Christian was originally an insult that was directed at the followers of Jesus for years after the resurrection. This term Christian, which means little Christ or mini messiahs, was actually used to demean the cult of the followers of Jesus. One thing that the Roman Empire and the religious order of that time both agreed that they were dangerous people. Why? Because they didn't bear allegiance either to Rome or to Moses. And that's why they were being persecuted daily for it. And many of them, in the course of their ministry and their lives, ended up being martyred. They certainly didn't live in peace either. So, what is this promise of peace? Maybe was it or is it for a different age? Maybe if they didn't experience it at that time, are we experiencing it today? What do you think? Are we experiencing the promise of peace on earth in this age that was prophesied? My question to you is, and I would like to invite you to respond is, what does peace on earth mean to you? What does peace on earth mean to you? And as you are thinking about it and putting in your responses, I would like to say that in some sense, we are experiencing peace on earth, aren't we? There are certainly many fewer people dying as a result to conflict. It is actually at an all-time low historically. Today, there is greater religious freedom. Christians today are not considered a cult anymore and are certainly not being hunted down by most governments or religious orders like they used to be. <clears throat> so does this mean that we are now experiencing the fulfillment of peace on earth? Let's see what you have had to say. It says, some of you say, internal peace, no more war, dignity for all, harmony between groups, political harmony, supernatural peace, even in the midst of all the earth turmoil. If we can leave our lives not needing to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Some of you feel that peace on earth means knowing Jesus is with you always. Rest. When there is no war and conflict and everyone lives in freedom and free of persecution. Where everyone shows kindness to each other, recognizing and appreciating differences. So I think that some of you have already started to think a bit more expansively that it's not just about the lack of conflict. And perhaps the age of this coming peace on earth is already breaking in here. To be able to understand this promise better, I want to take a step back for us to be able to understand what the biblical idea of peace is. Some of you have heard me speak about this idea of peace of God in the Bible several times already. So, to avoid something like a broken record, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for us a short video by The Bible Project. This is going to help those who already know about what this concept of peace on earth means. And for those who are new, you're going to be able to be introduced to this concept of peace that is being written about in the Bible. So let's go ahead and roll the video. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. 
The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things and takes a lot of takes a lot of work, takes a lot of work, takes a lot of work, takes a lot of work. Because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. So I wonder what your takeaways from that video is. I love the final thought from that video. And it says, peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what is broken, whether it's our relationship with ourselves, with God, with others, or with creation, and restoring it to wholeness. I think another way that we can understand this idea of shalom or erene is in this vision by the theologian Cornelius Plantinga. And he says that the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. Shalom means universal flourishing wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and saviour opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. And that's from his book, not the way it's supposed to be, a breviary of sin. So peace is the way things ought to be. Peace is universal flourishing, not just for ourselves, but for others and all in creation. So let's take a moment to look today at where you are perhaps aware that things are not yet where they ought to be or what they ought to be? Where are you aware that things are not yet flourishing for you in your life? You know, Pauline talked about different examples in her prayer of the challenges that we might have, especially in a season like Christmas. And I wonder, what is it for you? Could it be something in your family, in your relationships, in your workplaces? So some of you 
have shared that it's about yourself. Some of you have shared that it's about being the light and salt of the earth, of your health. Some of you are looking more outwardly in terms of looking at the world and where things are not, where they are not ought to be in terms of income inequality, global poverty, human exploitation. Some of you feel that it's about your disputes with your neighbour. Some of you talk about perceiving social injustice. And yes, some of you are talking about your relationships with your friendships, the friends in your life and your family members. Being okay with yourself. Being free from discrimination. A personal journey. The global church should be one. Your finances and your character. Broken friendships, unnecessary divisions in society. You can see that the areas that we share about are very varied. Some of these areas are about our relationship with ourselves or with God. Some of it is about our relationship with others or with the planet. In the case of climate change and COVID and public health that you talked about. You know, we are going through this series called Let Your Lives Speak. And one of the stories that have been submitted has come from a person who wants to be known as R. This is our story of becoming aware of the areas in his life where there is not yet peace. So R writes, I think my life is about struggle on finding love right now. You can see here on the bottom left of the tile are the trees I planted in the past decade. Dating, married, fatherhood, which I didn't get to enjoy even though I spent lots of time, energy and money to grow them. In the center is the deep, deep desire deep down for love and for belonging. And overlaying it is a big question mark. Christ will always be at the center, but is Christ enough? And why do I feel like I'm not enough? The right side of the tile represents the two directions I'm struggling with. Gay relationships represented with the rainbow color with FCC as the bridge. But will I be able to find relationships that last? Will I be able to find belonging in this community? Is gay relationship for me? Or do I go back to the traditional family again, but deny my sexuality again? Am I not repeating the same mistakes? I wonder if our story resonates with some of your stories and the places in your life where there may not yet be peace. I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to bring awareness to the areas of our lives where there is not yet shalom, or in the areas of the lives around us, or in the way that we interact with the world, where there is not yet erene. Because this is the first step to waging peace. Peace does not happen 
if we aren't aware of the areas in our lives where there is not yet peace. This awareness of the places in our lives where, where there is not yet peace is so key that when Jews greet one another, they say this greeting, Shal Shalom, to one another, which literally means, is there peace or is there still something between us that is not right, as you heard from the video? Peace doesn't just also happen if we stop with awareness. The second step towards waging peace is to align ourselves with who God is. To align ourselves with who God is. That's step number two. With, to align ourselves with who we are in God and to align ourselves to God's mission. And for that, we need to go back to the Bible. The birth of Christ and the events leading up to it is one small but very significant story in the Bible. The Bible is God's story of the Bible is the story of God with humanity. As much as people like to uh, think of it, the Bible is not a rule book. It is not an encyclopedia. It is not a manifesto that is directed from heaven. And if we take a step back to see the entire story of the Bible, starting with creation in Genesis, we see the creation of the way things ought to be. Genesis tells the story about how God created the world and everything in it. It also tells us about the original relationship that the first humans had the relationship that they had with God, with themselves, with each other, and their relationship with the earth around them. It showed us the way things ought to be. So what is the fall? But seeing this way things ought to be, the state of shalom breaking down. It is not about eating an apple, but it is about the falling away of the things, the way things ought to be. That is the loss of peace. We see the breakdown of those right relationships that we had with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the planet. So from Adam caring for Eden together with Eve in complete intimacy with God, to Adam blaming God for Eve, hiding away from God in shame, to the subsequent breakdown of relationships between Cain and Abel that resulted in Cain turning his face away from God and murdering his brother Abel. And then we see the progression going on from there, right? Cain goes on to follow an independent and destructive path. If you want to find the roots of political power, you don't have to look far because you can see it right here when Cain establishes the first city and decides to name it New Beginnings, or Enoch, right after his own firstborn son. And he goes on to build up an empire, and within five generations, Lamech was wielding immense power, turning and taking women as property, going to war to compete for territory and power, regardless of the cost. And perhaps if you think about it, perhaps every 
separate nation state today on the planet exists because of the bloodshed of brothers, the killing of sisters, and the exploitation of children. But it does not change the fact that every human being is made in the image of God. And that's what the rest of the story is about of the Bible, which is the account of God's desire of relating with humankind to the restoration of the state of Shalom towards this eventual vision that we see at the end of the Bible in Revelation where it says, See, the home of God is among the mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. So we have Genesis, we have Revelation, and in the middle of these two bookends, we have the coming of the person of Jesus, God's own self, the Prince of Peace. And not just for peace to end conflict between nations, but towards shalom or erene, to restore the way things ought to be in all our relationships, including with God, with ourselves, with one another, and with the planet that we live in. But is this just the Christian perspective? After all, disagreements between religions have been the source of antagonism and conflict throughout history. We have seen through history how Muslims, Jews, Christians, and Catholics have used the name of God and religion to go to war, to conquer, and to destroy communities. We've gotten so used to hearing news that when different faiths engage together, it's almost a categorical imperative that it ends up being in conflict or being in antagonism towards one another. You see, the call to peace, which is the way things ought to be, requires us to go through our divisions and our disputes. The call to peace, the way things ought to be, requires us to go beyond ethnic, political, and religious boundaries. I want to say something here that might land a little bit controversially, but hear me out. God is not a Christian. God is not a Christian. God is not a Muslim either. God is not a Buddhist, an atheist, an animist, or any category that we, have, we humans have manufactured in order to confiscate God and God's blessings over to our side. Why do we do this? Why do we find ways to define ourselves in opposition to others? Why do we build empires based on these divisions? refining our superiority and brutality and act as if our empires are being supported by God. Being religious often presumes separation, being different, being apart. And oftentimes when we hear that someone has become a Christian, we think of someone who has started on the outside and then prayed a prayer or made a sacrifice or an offering that moved the person from the outside to the inside. However, 
as the creator and redeemer and sustainer of all things and every single human being, Jesus challenges every single religious category. And if we were to take Jesus seriously, then we're not dealing with insiders and outsiders. The body of Christ is not just the members of this church or the members of all of the churches. The body of Christ includes every person in the world. God is not about separation and treating people of different denominations, different faiths, and different thinking as outsiders until they pray a special prayer to get in. God relates to all of us as beloved insiders who are broken and who are seeing through a glass darkly at the mystery of God. God continues to find ways for us to deliver, to discover this God of love and the path to peace as the way, the truth, and the life. Here's something interesting I discovered when I was looking into this. And another way that we can look at it. In Revelation, in John's vision in Revelation 12, he says, at the end of the age, the Satan or the accuser is struck down and defeated. I want you to see that this word accuser in the Greek is actually the word kategoros. Sound familiar? Because it is the root for the English word categorize. To put someone or something in a group is to categorize them. And we do this all the time, right? It helps us make sense of the world and organize our thoughts. Categorization is very helpful in navigating through the complexity of the world. But categories are also powerfully divisive and destructive of relationships. When these categories carry implicit judgment of value and worth, we are actually joining the adversary of our humanity. We are actually joining evil, the accuser, the Satan himself. Categories that were meant to help us to establish healthy boundaries often turn into walls between those who are on the outside and those who are on the inside. And all throughout Scripture, we see this continual battle against an entitled sense of moral and cultural religious superiority. Today, we still have that tendency to do so, to trying to cramp everything into neat, tidy boxes. We need to recognize that each and every human being and the systems of this world that we are part of is broken but we continue to hold on to all of this brokenness out of fear. I know I have. I made a decision to be Christian about 25 years ago. And back then, when I was asked if I were a Christian, I would proudly declare that I was a Pentecostal evangelical Christian. Very nice categories to identify with. Today, if I'm asked, I'll probably say that if I'm asked if I was Christian, I'll probably try and say more like I try to be a follower of Christ and in most cases, I often fail. So if religion is not the answer, what does Advent have to show us about aligning with who God is? 
In William Paul Young's book, Lies We Believe About God, he shares with us that there is actually a common appeal in the New Testament, in Hebrew Scripture, in the Quran, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Analects of Confucius, to what many of us would recognize as the golden rule. Many of us know this golden rule because it exists throughout all of these scriptures. In Christianity, in the Bible, Jesus stated it this way, in everything you want to do, treat people in the way you want them to treat you. William then goes on in his book to ask a very simple but profound question that got me thinking. Do you think the golden rule applies to God? Do you think the golden rule applies to God? Does God treat others the way God wants to be treated? Does God treat others the way God wants to be treated? Because if God communicated this same truth through so many messengers, then it might first apply to God, right? We often think that God hands out commandments like they are arbitrary tests for humanity rather than an expression of God's character and God's nature. We don't say it like that, but we certainly act like it because, think about it, we make up all of these creeds, these rituals, these sacrificial offerings or prayer that have got to be done a certain way. We have got all of these worship rites. We have got all of these deeds and gates that we have to pass through these tests. Why? because we want to get into God's acceptance and God's favour. But one of the beautiful things about Advent, one of the beautiful things that Jesus coming to us reveals is that God's nature is first and foremost love. And that nature is ours too because we are created in the image of God. Any call to love is the call for us to incarnate the deepest truth of our being, which is love. And the golden rule is immensely significant because it is the way God is. God treats us the way God wants to be treated. God treats us the way God wants to be treated. We don't need to earn this love or love God first. 1 John 4.19 reminds us that we love because we were first loved. We love because we were first loved. So the second thing that we need to align ourselves with in the understanding of Advent is how do we align ourselves to the nature of God, the character of God, and how God relates to us. And I promise you that the greater the revelation of this, the greater you have an understanding of God's love for you, the greater alignment that you will have to be able to wage peace. We don't read the Bible or worship or pray or participate in the Holy Communion later to earn God's love and acceptance. We do it for ourselves. We do it so that we have a greater revelation of God's love for us. In the mystery of Christ, and why we don't get it, Robert Farag Capon writes, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the proclamation 
of the end of religion. Not a new religion or even the best of all possible religions. And therefore, if the cross is the sign of anything, it is the sign that God has gone out of the religion business and solved all of the world's problems without a single human being to do a single religious thing. So the second step to waging peace is to align with who God is, God's nature and God's mission. Now that we have awareness and alignment, what is the next step to waging peace? I think that the next step to waging peace is action. So step number three is action. What action will you take with the awareness where things ought to be and then they're still not, and this alignment with the nature and the heart of God? In William Paul Young's book, he writes that one central and inherent aspect of God's agape love or unconditional, other-centered love is this dynamic dance of mutual submission. This is how peace, the way things ought to be, is lived out and experienced and it originates in the very being of our understanding of God. Now, submission today is a pretty dirty word because it is associated with the, you know, giving up of power and control. And we are terrified and we resist it. But redeemed to back to its original intent, submission can be a beautiful expression of this mutuality of relationships of the way things ought to be. God is relational and therefore submits because God's nature is other-centered and God offers God's self-giving love. And so you can see here on the slide that one beautiful aspect of this idea is the Trinity in Christian faith, where we see that submission has always been there within the very being of God. There is this dynamic divine dance of mutuality where no person in the Trinity is diminished or dominated. It is true submission when the other is, an, is known, understood, and, and embraced. But the very idea that God is submissive is a very difficult idea for us today because of the images of gods that we have grown up with. We hear stories of powerful deities and how they are presented and the way that they act out of authority and power. And so it's very difficult for us to imagine how God acts when we try to drag God down to the level of human beings in power. But what Advent shows us is that the incarnation of God becoming fully human, coming to us as a baby, complete and utter submission to humanity to show us the way to peace. And what is about the cross? But God submitting not to God's anger, wrath, and rage, but to humanity's anger, wrath, and rage. We can think about it this way. How many times has God said to us, wait, 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 
Let me make the decision on this one because you make so many bad choices in your life. I think it would be all better for us and the planet if I took over your life, running your life, right? God never ever says that. Even though we want God to make decisions for us, God doesn't. Instead, God submits to our decisions that we make, whether it's a good one or a bad one. The decisions that Adam and Eve made the decisions that every person in the, in, the, in the Bible, in every story in the Bible made. And what does God do? God climbs into that story and begins to craft something new and good and beautiful, even from the worst of our blunders, even when our choices hurt and harm others, ourselves, God, and the world around us. Love doesn't protect us from the consequence of our choices nor does God's presence in the midst of our stupidity justify any of it. But the great thing about, about Advent and the promise of it is that God is Emmanuel. God is with us right in that mess. And it does not leave me without hope that we don't have a future path forward of restoration. I think... One way that we can understand sin, which I find much more um, relevant today, is any choice that we make that moves us away from where things ought to be. That state of peace, that state of shalom, that state of erene. And this could be the times and the chance that, uh, when we decide to act, or the choices that we make when we actually don't act or make, don't make a, or make a choice not to act, even though you may be aware of places in your life where there is not yet peace, not yet where things, the way things ought to be. And the will of God for every person is to be anchored in the love of God and the dual commandments of loving God and loving our neighbour and act towards the restoration of peace towards the way things ought to be. That is the path to peace, my friends. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. To wage peace is to first receive the peace of God and then to act, to make peace. So, step one, two, three, that's it, right? Awareness, alignment, action. If we have awareness where there isn't peace, if we align ourselves to who God is and we act in accordance to what uh, we are called to do, do we get that fulfillment of peace on earth, that everlasting, increasing peace promise that will come? I think that there's one more step, maybe the hardest step for us all, and that's the final A word, accountability. Not my favourite word. You know, it's fast coming up on the second anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic. And if the pandemic has taught us anything at all, it's how interdependent and interconnected our collective well-being is. How we depend on other people's flourishing for our flourishing. You know, we may be losing fewer lives from wars and conflict, but here's a chart of the lives that have been lost so far as a result of the pandemic. 
You know, we've lost more lives to COVID-19 over the last two years than from human conflict over the past 30. And being a part of community is so critical at this time, especially in the face of a virus that is driving us to isolation from one another. Community is where we can listen to one another, encourage one another, and support one another. But even more critically, authentic community is also where we can hold one another to account that we are all heading in the same direction, heading towards one of peace, because we're so easy to get it wrong. Community is also where we can be accountable to one another, to love one another by holding space, to listen generously, to create intentional places for authentic conversation, to create an environment where we can take off our masks so that we can help one another flourish. Knowing that our interconnectedness is that when only when others flourish, then we ourselves can flourish. But accountability also calls us to push one another to engage with people who are on the margins, who are not like us, don't think like us, or may not even like us. Accountability in community calls us to build bridges to neighbours, to have courageous, loving conversations towards the restoration of peace. One incredible initiative I discovered around this was shared to me by Sharon Fries when I was um, in Kuala Lumpur, and I managed to have, uh, spend some time with her. Sharon's a member of FCC based out of KL right now. And she shared with me a letter called A Common Word Between Us and You. And this letter was actually written to Christian leaders by 138 Muslim leaders in 2007. You can find the full letter at acommonword.com. And there's been a lot of discussions that's happened and dialogue of greater understanding has happened as a result of this outreach by these 138 Muslim leaders. But I want to read the opening sentence to you because you will see echoes of it that we've been talking about in and through the entire sermon today. And it says, Muslims and Christians together make up well over half the world's population. Without peace and justice between these two religious communities, there can be no meaningful peace in the world. The future of the world depends on peace between Muslims and Christians. The basis for this peace and understanding already exists. It's part of the very foundational principle of both faiths, love of the one God and love of the neighbour. These principles are found over and over again in the sacred texts of Islam and Christianity. The unity of God, the necessity of love for Him, and the necessity of love of the neighbour is thus the common ground between Islam and Christianity. This is what awareness, alignment, action, and accountability looks like and it came from our Muslim siblings. And why should we be surprised at all? After all, Islam literally means to submit to peacemaking. 
Isn't that interesting? All the themes that we've been talking about, to submit to peacemaking. And to be a Muslim is to be one whose life is characterized or is committed to peacemaking. What about us individually and in this community? How will it be for us this Advent as we wait on the arrival of the Christ child? I wonder, what is God prompting in your heart today? Where are the areas in your life that God is calling you to wage peace so that things can move towards the way it ought to be? so that the world around us can flourish, so that not just us, but everyone can experience the abundant life, and that all things can be restored to the way they ought to be. Where are you, this Advent, committing to wage peace? Participating in dialogues of building bridges of understanding. Yes, with family. It's great. Being myself for not being antisocial. Yes, our authentic selves, to be able to embrace that, is making peace. Seek first to understand, then to be understood to hold space and practice listening to those that I have conflict with. Absolutely. With interaction with all of creation, with people, animals, and the earth. Yes, we can see the divine in all of these things. The creation, creation around us is an expression of the beauty of God. And each person is created in God's image to build peace with all my colleagues, whether I consider them my friend or not. Absolutely, Jesus asked, who is our neighbour? And then goes on to, uh, to share and relate the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you remember. Jesus' final admonition is, the one who showed mercy is the one who was the neighbour. With myself and others, interaction with others, accept and forgive myself, peace with myself and trusting God in the process. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing the areas in your life that you are committing to wage peace this Advent. As we close, and as I call Pauline up to close us in prayer and to share with us more about what's coming up next week, I want to encourage you with the words that Jesus says to his followers that Pauline shared in her prayer. And Jesus says this to you and I today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. May this Advent be for us not just the waiting of the arrival of the Christ child, but for us to wage peace in our lives, 
to expand our mind as we prepare for the coming of Christ, recognizing that peace will only come as we let go of fear in our lives and commit to awareness, alignment, action, and accountability. Amen. Thank you, church. So thank you, Gary, for that um, really insightful, uh, mind-blowing message. I'm, I'm sure it challenged us in some way. And he asked me if we could just pray together, um, just to kind of allow God to work in us, allow God's Word to sink down in our lives, and to see what the Spirit is speaking to each one of us. So will you pray with me? Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And we thank you that you are choosing to give us your own peace. This peace that is not just a feeling, not just an emotion, this peace that is shalom, the restoration of all things and relationships as it should be, as you have meant it to be. And it's for that very reason that you came into earth to be Emmanuel, God with us, to show us what it truly means to experience peace on earth and be agents of that peace on earth. And so God, as you continue to move in us as a people of God, as we move towards Christmas in the season of Advent, will you renew in us, refresh in us, the understanding of what it means to experience peace with you and with all humankind, with all of creation, with ourselves, and with all that you love. And so, God, I thank you that you are moving amongst us. I thank you that you are teaching us, challenging us, reminding us, inspiring us. And I pray that for all the things that you teach us, for each one of us, that we will move out of this place, move out of Sunday, and to live out what it truly means to be your ambassadors of peace in this world each and every day of our lives. And so, God, we thank you that we do not do this alone, but we do it through the power of your Spirit, through your abiding presence in our lives, as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, this season we have been talking about let your life speak and what that means. And this is going to be a continual theme in some ways, even as we move into 2022, because it's not just a, season, a, a theme for Advent, it's a theme for actually the whole of our lives. What does it mean for our lives to speak? And so, over this period of time, we have invited you to share your stories, your tales. And I just want to let you know that for some of you, you may not want to do your towels because you've done it before and you don't have many ideas how, what you're going to draw and that's perfectly fine. But you have stories you want to share. Maybe short reflections of the things that you have um, been learning, the things that you've been struggling with, the things that you're placing hope in God in uh, over this season. And I want to just invite you to share those stories with us. Uh, you can send it to info at freecomchurch.org uh, if you choose, you say you want to be anonymous, you just want to use the initial, that's perfectly fine too. Uh, just let us know, all right? And then we want to actually curate all these stories because these stories are so precious. 
so sacred, so important, because these are the stories of God's work in your life and our life as a community. And we don't want to capture that. We don't want it to just kind of float away. And that's the reason why we're doing this, okay? So I want to invite you to continue to do this over the Christmas season. Um, and even as you are, you know, we want to basically have a meaningful Christmas season together, okay? So for the towels, uh, of course, our deadline is actually supposed to be today because tomorrow, a team of us are going to uh, come and kind of put up the towels and add on uh, to what we have now. Um, but if you still are working on the towels, if your groups, I know some of your groups are going to meet actually after Christmas, please continue to work on those towels. We will continue to add them on throughout the year. Um, the deadline today is actually just for the Christmas service. That's for the unveiling during Christmas service, okay? But if you're still going to be working on it, please do. I know some of you needed a little bit more time and you uh, wrote to me. So please take your time to do this because it's not really about making a deadline. It's really about the unveiling of God's story in our lives, all right? So I just want to invite you to continue doing that. Um, the Christmas service is going to be on 25th of December. I just wanted to let you know and remind you that it's at 10.30. So that's a Saturday, okay, not a Sunday. On Sunday, we'll be doing a rebroadcast of the service, so there won't be a live service here. The live service will be on Saturday, 25th December at 10.30, and um, you will be receiving the messages about how you can be registering for that service. So please do. We're trying to fit as many people as we can here within the safe distancing regulations. Uh, but we hope for a wonderful time where we can all celebrate together as a family of God. And we, to do that, usually we have a huge feast, right? After the Christmas service, we all sit together, eat yummy stuff. Uh, but we can't do that in this season. Um, but we want to invite you to bring one or two or three, if you can spare, uh, Christmas treats. So these are like baked goods. Um, they are things that you might love for someone else to enjoy during this Christmas season. Um, and we're going to have a Christmas treats exchange uh, just after the service, and we'll be putting the treats uh, all there at the pantry, uh, and different people will be able to pick up um, treats that they can bring home with them. Okay, and, and you can bake them if you want. I know some of you are marvelous bakers. If you don't bake, that's fine. I, I'm very bad, okay? So I wouldn't want to kill someone in my baking. Uh, you can also just bring something that you really think is yummy and you want someone to bring home with them, okay? So please come and join us for our Christmas service, all right? Uh, and now I want to invite Elsie uh, to lead us in our time of communion. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. In the midst of your many blessings, we complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us. 
trust your caring presence and provision that our actions may proclaim your truth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our Good Shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture. You know us by name. We offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open our hearts and minds to the guiding of your Spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace, for our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. We remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. And after the supper, after the supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, may I invite the uh, stewards to come forth to distribute the elements? Thank you. Um, for those who are new with us, please do not um, reach out to take the elements, uh, but let the stewards hand them to you. And for those who are at home, uh, this is a good time to also prepare uh, your elements as well. And we will all partake together when everyone is served.
Come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. If you are willing and able, please stand. And all together. God, God of, of love, love, you abide, abide with us. Your, your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our Shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Hi, so welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here, regardless of your theological background, your gender identity, your sexual orientation, or any of the categories that the world puts on you. To those who are joining us for the first time, and for those who worship with us regularly, welcome home. My name is David, and I'm the service leader today. So if you are new with us, if you're here on site for the first time or perhaps watching us online, we welcome you to leave your details with us by scanning this QR code or going to fcc.la welcome. This will allow our pastors to get in touch with you, find out more about you and how we can serve your needs. We also have a newcomers meeting on the last Sunday of every month. So if you'd like to join this, please email info at freecomchurch.org. And this is a meeting that's held both online as well as on site. Um, and if the sermon today has blessed you as it has blessed me, please give our video a like. Uh, by doing this, you actually allow YouTube's algorithm to recommend it to more people so we can expand our ministry to um, all those out there. So now uh, we'll continue to worship God with our giving. Um, so there's two ways you can give uh, by scanning these QR codes. One goes to our general fund, which um, pays for our, mainly our staff salaries as well as just the operational expenses of the church. The other goes to our building fund, which is used to pay down the mortgage that we have on this property. And you can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. So as we come to the end of the year, we still do have quite a significant financial gap to close. Um, so we, we know it may be a time when um, you're getting your bonus and you're able to just give a little bit more. We would really appreciate um, anyone who can help give a bit extra this month just to help us get to the, our budget at the end of the year. So now please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear God, in the sending of Jesus, you have given us your peace, peace with you, peace with others, peace with ourselves, peace with this world. God, help us to receive this peace deeply within our hearts and help us as a community to extend this peace to all your beloved children. May you bless this offering and we give you thanks for each willing heart that supports our ministry. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So now I invite the stewards to come forward to take up the offering. If you're on site and you'd like to drop some cash into the bag, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. Uh, while the stewards are going around, we do have some announcements to make. So the first announcement is that we are starting a new cell group, which will be called Sprout. So it's about to sprout. Uh, now, if you are looking for someone to journey along you in your spiritual journey, there's no better way than to join a small group. Because, you know, coming to church, it's great, but sometimes it's hard to really get deep or share deeply about your life with people. But you can do this in the context of a small group. So this small group will be for a six-month period. Um, so it's like if you just want to see how it's like being in a small group, this might be a great place to join with. And then if you feel it's not for you, you know, you don't have to feel, you have to stay for the, forever. Uh, you can register for the group at info at freecomchurch.org. And um, similar to last week, we are continuing to sell cards and stickers to raise some funds. So we have, um, we have two sets of stickers for sale. They each contain nine different stickers, which are based on our beautiful stained glass artwork that's on the window over there. So they'll be on sale at the back of the sanctuary. They're about, um, it's a donation, so just a donation, about $10 per, per set. But feel free to give more if you're so led to do so. And now we also have greeting cards, which come in a set of 12. Um, these do cost a lot more to make. So we're suggesting donation of $25 per set. They do come with envelopes as well. And we only have 12 sets on sale at the back of the church. So come get them while, these, while stocks last. Uh, if you are watching us online and you would like to get some of these, you can also in, uh, email info at freecomchurch.org and someone will get in touch with you to find out how we can mail them to you or how you can collect. So now I'll invite Pastor Pauline to come and give us the benediction. Well, before we go into the benediction, we have something very, very important to do first, okay? And that is to wish our December babies a very, very happy and blessed birthday. And so, you can, as you can see on our screen, uh, we have quite a lot of December babies, and probably even more, um, because uh, if your name appears on that screen, uh, it's because you are an official member, you've signed up as an official member of FCC. So, I know some of you are not on that list, um, the only reason is because uh, this actually follows our official membership, okay? So, um, you know, please do consider joining us as a member. We would love to have you uh, officially as part of the family, all right? But just want to wish um, all these wonderful uh, December babies, Gordon, Alex, Cheryl, Shinting, Dawn, Dawn, yay, Dawn, if you know, yay, hi, Dawn. Yeah, she's the one that was giving you a communion elements. Uh, Wendy, Daryl, David, Ange, Douglas, Fukyong, and Wesley. Right? We just want to express our love for them and to pray for them as that we wish them a wonderful birthday. So will you join me in prayer for all our birthday babies, okay? Dear God, we thank you for the gift of life. The gift of not just physical life, but your breath in us, the very breath of God in each one of us. And so even as we commemorate physical birth uh, in the birthdays uh, of our December babies, we want to thank you so much for them, for their physical life and also for your breath of life in them, for your likeness 
in them as you made them in your image. And so God, I just pray for them, for each one of them, that even as they pass another birthday, as they celebrate another birthday, that they remember so much of your goodness in their lives, that they will, uh, in times of struggle, in times when it's been difficult or challenging, that they will also experience your grace, your overflowing grace in abundance in their lives. Grant them strength, grant them wisdom, grant them your loving presence that surrounds them every step of their journey. We thank you for their presence in our lives in this community, for the gifts that they bring, for all that they are. And we pray that you'll help us to help them to grow, to be transformed into your likeness and to your love. And help us to nurture one another, that this will truly be a community that speaks of your love. So God, we commit our December babies into your loving care uh, as we celebrate them. Uh, in the life of this community as we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we've come to the end of the service with the benediction. And so if you're willing and able, uh, do stand. Prince of Peace, come in this time of Advent. Come again to dwell with us, within us, and through us, so that in all that we do, in all that we say, in our very beings, that we would carry your shalom, not just the promise of it, but the reality of how you are moving in our lives, in the life of our community, in the life of many in this world. So send us out, God, as your ambassadors of peace, as your shalom Go with each one of us every step of the way. So now go. And God, shalom, go with you now and forevermore. Amen. So thank you so much. We've come to the end of our service today, our very last Sunday of Advent. Uh, do join us for our Christmas service. Uh, if you can make it on-site, yay! We would love to see you. If we can't, we would still love to see you online. And please have a wonderful and blessed week ahead. <laughs>